You're, and you're a police officer. Come, come on. Are... I'm the fun police. <laughs> yeah. Old man Jordan's got to get his concert in and get home on time. They're the fake ID of college football. Like, I would be very intimidated at a dairy farm. You pay for that? Check, please. Come on. Ohio! This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. We had the opportunity earlier this week to speak with Utah State head coach Gary Anderson about his team coming off a 31-7 loss against Air Force where the Aggies were dominated. What team's going to show up against BYU and what concerns him most about the Cougars? We are two-on-one with Utah State head coach Gary Anderson. Coach, you have a very unique relationship with Kalani Satake and one that has extended over a number of years. How has it evolved over those years as you two have crossed paths? Oh, I think it's uh, you know it's continually grown in a positive way from uh, from a professional standpoint and really from a personal standpoint. You know, as you as you go through this profession, you go through all the ups and the downs and the goods and the bads. And uh, you know, I think that uh, the friendship always helps in the good and helps in the bad and helps in the okay. So uh, you know, I've had the opportunity, obviously, hire Kalani and, and work with him, and um, that's been awesome. And uh, continue to watch him grow and his family grow and. Um, have the success that he's had as a coach is is uh, you know it's it's great to see and you know it's it's rewarding as uh, as uh, kind of I guess early on as a mentor or whatever as you're a, uh, he's under us as an assistant and he continues to grow and develop and becomes a head coach so he's a, he's a great man I love him great family man uh, grinder tough guy and uh, you know he's uh, <laughs> and probably most importantly he's a really really good friend. Coach, how's your team responded to practice this week thus far after after the loss at Air Force? Very well. You know, this is a resilient crew. They understand that uh, this is a competitive game, and we're playing good teams. And uh, you know, we've had an opportunity to play and beat a few good teams. And we've uh, not done so well against a couple other good teams, and ended up on the uh, on the on the losing side of it. But they they deal with the losses. I think the best thing about them is is they don't just walk through it and just okay move on to the next game and let's forget about that one. It does it hurts. Um, it stings badly. I think they just put a little notch in their memory for the those losses, and they they remember that. Uh, but they do bounce back. You know, our our, our whole philosophy is is to you, you have to remember those losses, and you also have to remember the wins. But when you come back and you get back here at 1:45 on Monday, we need to put it in the rearview mirror. But you know, keep the good experiences still in the back of your head. Keep those bad experiences back in your head, and I think that always helps you become a competitor. But uh, they they move on uh, in a good way. Had a good start to uh, BYU last week, and or excuse me, uh, yesterday, and we'll continue to to grow through the the process here. But they're they love football, and I think that's one great thing about it is is they're they're fun to be around, and quite frankly, they they bring me back um, uh, much faster than uh, than I can bring myself back, I suppose. <laughs> Utah State head coach Gary Anderson with us on BYU Sports Nation. Maybe resilience and energy are the strengths of this team, but when it comes to on the field play. What is the strength of this team when they get in between the lines? Well, I think we, uh, at times, you know, we, we need to kind of find ourselves with that. And I think that's a great question right now. Offensively, we, you know, we, we, we look at to be a uh, fast-paced offense that gets up and down the field and, you know, keeps, keeps defenses off pace. And quite frankly, we've struggled with that a bit um, as we've gone through um, the last few weeks. And it's not just uh, – a single part. It's as, as it is on everything when you talk about a team sport, it's a whole. And uh, I don't just include the offense on that. I include the offense, defense, special teams. And you know, we need to work to get that to be 
um, who we are. And uh, you know, I want, we want people to look at us and say, hey, this is a fast-paced offense. Uh, we move up and down the field. We try to keep defenses off pace for as far as their calls and the things that they're doing. And um, that's who we want to be. Uh, we were like that early Wake Forest game. I felt like we were really like that. We were like that at times in our in our three conference wins that we've had. Um, we were like that against Stony Brook. So that needs to be our identity. Our defense, you know, much as much as the Cougars are, we want to be a defense that uh, prides themselves on being physical, being sound, uh, fundamentally tackle well, play good team defense, and then change the game in a positive way on special teams as a goal every single week. And when we've won, uh, especially in those tight conference games that we've been in, uh, our special teams has changed the way and changed the game in a very positive, positive way. So I think we've been pretty good in that area. Um, and that would be us. That's who we'd like to be on paper. Let's specifically focus on the quarterback position. Jordan Love, everybody knows how great of a player he is and how talented he is. How would you evaluate his year thus far? Well, you know, the, the offense hasn't been exactly what we wanted it to be, and it's so natural to just draw your eyes and uh, to, to Jordan. And, uh, you know, I've gone back and I've watched just even last week's game a couple times, and there's, there's, there's many opportunities for this offense to take off, and there's many opportunities for this offense to explode, which in turn would include Jordan Love having big plays, which is everybody wants to see. So I think he's handled a little bit of adversity extremely well. Um, he's battled through uh, every single day. It's important as coaches that uh, we understand we need to help the offense get better, which in turn is going to help Jordan Love get better. So, you know, the uh, I guess you would call it some adversity that we've gone through on the offensive side of the ball. I think Jordan's handled it like a, a professional student athlete. He battles, he doesn't point fingers, he gets up and he plays the next snap and, you know, I, I really believe that it's it's real close to exploding and taking off. We just have to make sure that we continue through the grind and it doesn't always come up roses every single day and um, he's a great player, he's a tremendous young man, he is our leader um, of the football team and He's the leader of the offense, obviously, so he's uh, working to continually get better every game and every week and every practice, which is what he needs to do right now, what we need to do to help him you know, kind of break out. Yeah, Coach, when you got a guy like Jordan Love and the infectious personality of Gerald Bright with his smile, I can see why it doesn't take you long for you to come around again around this team. Yeah, Gerald Bright definitely has that. Uh, he's got that smile, and he's just another kid that absolutely loves football. And when you see a senior like him, and you know, with his leadership, and we don't have a big senior class. In fact, it's a very small senior class. And you know, he walks back in, and then as a, as a back in that situation, it could be very easy for him to sit back and say, you know, we we've got this, and we've got Jalen Warren, and he knows we ought to have two backs. He's accepted that role extremely well. Um, he's played well when we've needed him in big games to be able to close out the game and in, in the run game and. Um, uh, but he is infectious, and he's dynamic, and he's exciting to be around. And you just want a kid like that to have a ton of success this senior year for himself and for his team. And you know, that, that drives you. Um, a young man like Gerald Bright drives you. When you look at the BYU quarterback situation, it's unique because they have Baylor Romney coming off of a win against Boise State, Jaron Hall coming off of concussion protocol. We're not sure who's going to start. So what's your philosophy when you have to prepare for multiple quarterbacks that have a different skill set? Well, you look and uh, study the film, and you know you you get ready for both. Which I don't see a dramatic change within the with the scheme of the offense with uh, either young man playing. Uh, they've both been successful. They've both done good things, and you know BYU is they they have good quarterbacks, and uh, they're able to recruit high level quarterbacks and continually get those young men there in the program. And um, it's just it's a it's a, a great 
testament to the recruiting, um, to their ability to be able to get great players there. And you're sitting back there, you got your number two quarterback, and all of a sudden you have your number three quarterback, and you go beat a ranked team in Boise. Uh, that's uh, that's a that's a great accomplishment um, for the young men uh, as a team and a, and as the quarterback as well. And so they'll uh, they'll be good. But we don't sit back and say it dramatically changes one quarterback or, or the other. Uh, they had a very good game plan against Boise and executed some key key plays in uh, in key moments, key situations, and uh, you know the quarterback was a big part of those. What are your overall impressions of this team in general? I mean, there's so many with, with all the relationships and you know guys and you know their tendencies and how they like to coach and you recruit a lot of the same players and things like What are your overall impressions of, of, what, of this BYU team in general? Uh, what you would expect, much, much in the same as when uh, you've watched BYU for many, many years. The physical, tough, sound defense, uh, run to the football um, they, you know, they like the game of football. You can see that on film offensively. Keep you off pace. Um, you know, don't let you kind of scheme them down into a whole week in a week out and say, hey, this is exactly what we're going to do. A big offensive line that, uh, you know, I don't know where they all come from, but sometimes it looks like they're all stamped out of a uh, of a machine down there somewhere <laughs> where they make these guys. So they're all uh, they're all big, strong, physical kids and and, and good athletes. And you've know, already talked about the quarterback and. You know, running back wise, we've known those guys in recruiting, other than the young man that transferred, um, I believe, from Mississippi State, if I'm not misspoken on that. Is that correct? You're talking about the, Isupa? Yeah, yeah, one of those. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the tra- yeah, yeah from, yeah, he's yeah, from yeah. Rice. So, Okay, okay, Rice, excuse me. So, um, But, you know, we know a lot of those kids through recruiting also, and you're correct that we do bang around and recruit some of the same guys as we go through time. But uh, it, uh, it looks like a BYU team should look. Um, you know, good-looking team that likes to play the game of football and, and uh, in my opinion, is extremely well coached. So you have to – and that would prove on what they've done on the football field. You know, there's – everybody always uh, on the outside has all the answers, but this BYU team has beat some really, really good football teams, and, you know, they've, uh, they've lost to some really good football teams also and they're battling and they're in a good spot and that's why I believe this will be a heck of a football game. Gary, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, let's finish with this. We've had the privilege of working closely with uh, your current director of football operations, Zach Nyborg, when he was in a similar position at BYU for a short time. Uh, frankly, I need something to tease him about, so what can you put in my arsenal? Well, he needs to get married. That's easy. That's a slam dunk. Okay. That's the easiest one in the whole world right there. There's... Uh, and, and, you know, we've kind of had him everywhere we can, right? Okay. Well, I mean, he, he came, he came, he's been with me for a while at two or three different places, and then he goes with you guys. And, uh, you know, I, I, if, he, if that guy can't go find a girl in Provo, then what is going on? I mean, we got some serious issues. So, um, and, and I keep telling him every single day, you know, that funnel gets a little bit smaller every single day. So it uh, gets tougher and tougher the older he gets. Now he's bald, so it's even harder to find a girl. I mean, the list goes on and on. <laughs> Okay, you've given me ample. Coach, great to catch up with you. Look forward to seeing you and Logan this Saturday. All right, guys. Take care. Utah State head coach Gary Anderson, always a treat and always has to throw in a dig against our guy Zach Nyborg. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. Joining us now on the desk in Studio B, longtime friend of the program, the always yes. elite former BYU standout, Mitch Matthews. Oh, Mitch, Mitch, welcome. Guys. 
appreciate that introduction, man. Hey, you always have my back. <laughs> always, always have my back. And most people do that. I, BYU fans that I meet, most people do, man. They, they always say that. So they echo Let's you. Let's go, more. man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. You, know you, can't you, know you, know you can't disagree with the yeah, badge. You can't disagree with the badge. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to respect authority. <laughs> Mitch, uh, let's uh, start with what's going on in your life. What, what have you been up to since yeah. the 2015 season? For those that haven't followed you on social media and your, your adventure, sure. it's, it's been pretty crazy. Yeah, it's been, it's been a wild one. I mean, long story short, uh, 2015 was my last year. Uh, I played it with a couple, a few teams actually in the NFL. Was with the Chiefs first, was undrafted, then the Browns, then the Vikings, and then the Dolphins. That was two years ago. Ever since then, I, I've, I've transitioned to the life of an entrepreneur and started my own business in pest control. So we, we're down in the Southeast, Atlanta, Dallas, and Houston. So things have gone really, really well. And uh, it's been a unique change, but. Um, you know, my life is, uh, as a competitor, that's what I really am, is, was, is move from football to entrepreneurship, and so it still allows me to, to compete. And because our business has grown so much, uh, we actually, my wife and I, Maddie Matthews, formerly Maddie Lyons, we just moved back to Lehigh and built a house up there in Lehigh. So we're, we're back in the homeland. We're back. Yeah, that's, that's great, awesome, man. man. And if people follow you on social media, they are plugged into what you're doing because you, yeah. are, you are big time on, on uh, Instagram especially. Yeah, yeah. You love it. Yeah, I right. mean, I just feel like if, if, uh, if you have a mission and in, in, uh, you're doing something that you believe is great, you might as well, I mean, you might as well let people know about it. And so, they, I mean, my, my, my passion now is influencing people. When I, was, when I played here, I mean, people knew that I, that I was, I tried to be the, the emotional leader of the team. And uh, if morale was down, I, I, I was the first one on the scene to, to make it right. And, uh, and so I feel like I'm the emotional leader of my business and uh i do everything i can to make sure that that people know about it. if you have a mission you better be a good storyteller you better tell it i think that moment was reflected in terms of the energy that you bring in uh right after the hail mary you run out to like the team <laughs> celebrates and then you run to midfield and just, just throwing <laughs> your arms around like i, I, I have reenacted that we reenacted that so it's legos ago. we've yeah. reenacted that too as well yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah, right? yeah. we know the guy that did that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the program. Yeah, yeah great Great stuff. Awesome. And by the way, uh, your pest control business anthem. I love. Yes. I love the stop anthem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right? Movement that you yeah, had exactly. going on. Appreciate that. Great stuff. Thank you. Uh, Mitch, you had great success against Utah State specifically this week. BYU at Utah State. Yeah. Can you, you take him seriously as a cop? By the way. Yeah. Can you no, take I, yeah. Well, it'll be a permanent smile. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you had three touchdown catches in 2013. Had another big game in 2015. Long touchdown catch. Why is it that you had such great success against Utah State specifically? Oh, that's too easy. Look at that. Yeah, I, I just believe that they were they're, they're rivals. I mean, they really are. And, and the, the way that they've performed, I mean, I think we went, what, 20-plus years without losing those guys. And it's been back and forth, and even heavier success their way, you know, the last few years. There's Taysom I saw him this morning, and we worked out together. But that, that game was my first three touchdowns of my career that game. And what's funny is it's very fitting because all of my family, and I mean all of my extended family, are big, big Utah State fans. Every family picked is everyone in Aggie gear and then the Matthews are in BYU gear. And so <laughs> I grew up watching those guys, and so it felt good to, to, to do it against them. And uh, the games we played against them, they were typically freezing, especially that last one. Freezing oh, cold. So cold. And I, looked, I always looked at those type of games as an opportunity to, to perform because everyone hates playing in those games. So I said, you know what? If I can just bear this cold for four hours, I'll perform well, and uh, um, it's a rivalry game. You have to, it, those games come down typically to two or three really big plays. So, and that's the swing of the game. And so I felt like that was my opportunity to do it against those guys. Yeah, you happen to make like all of those big plays. <laughs> Tomasi Tama- Tama- Lalule at the end of the half. That was a fun Unreal, one, right? man. That was, that was amazing. That yeah. was amazing. I celebrated harder for that than I mean, any of my catches. That was, <laughs> that was awesome. Was and time ran out, so we had to get in. Yeah, exactly. So the exactly. There yep. was awesome. Yep. So Taysom Hill apparently in town. Awesome. Bye week, maybe. Um, yep. I'm assuming. Uh, describe what it's been like to see what he's doing in the NFL. Like, we're seeing. 
we're seeing perhaps not the full amount of Taysom Hill, yeah. but a large portion. Yeah. So I would say the world is surprised, like that he's almost reinventing the, the, the football wheel in a sense, in, in, his, in his sphere. But the people that played with him, and especially his close friends, you're not surprised at all. Like, I played with that guy for four years from, I mean, we, we golfed together, we, we were a softball team together, played basketball together, played football together. And, and that was for four straight years, we became really close. It's no surprise to me what he's doing. It's no surprise to the, 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 his teammates what he's doing, because he's such an incredible athlete he's a to me he's I put on four different teams in the NFL and still to this day I would still consider him top three best athletes I've ever played with wow along with who else top three uh in terms of just freak athletes I think um Terrell Pryor was a freak he was a freak Tyreek Hill he's my roommate um and RG3 great athletes and and Taysom Hill would be up there he really would be and there's different types of athletes there's speed athletes there's guys that are super strong and big Taysom's just that he heals faster than everybody else he's super big and runs as fast as he does. He's super strong, and he's a different type of athlete, but I would honestly say there's no surprise to me what he's doing. There's zero surprise. I, I knew there was something would come of, of him uh, after all of his injuries because he, he just he heals like not a normal human should heal. Yeah. And he, he does abnormal things all the time, and I've seen that. And so for me to see what he's doing, no surprise, but to the world, it probably is a shock. Yeah. It's so gnarly that he has more touchdown catches than name all these guys. So, OBJ, Travis Kelsey, all these guys. Yeah, right? Insane. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and... and the cool thing about him is he walks into a locker room and you examine you know, him up and down. And you're like, oh, my gosh, who made you? Like, how are you built? Like, you, you really God. are. He's yeah. a you really super are. soldier. I mean, even today I caught myself just like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about like, this build. And so he probably, walked into the, he probably walked into the Saints locker room and they're probably like, well, we just got to just out of curiosity alone. We got to try him at this position and at this position and this one and this one and a few more, too, just out of curiosity alone. And I, I would, too. So, Mitch Matthews with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're discussing Taysom Hill. And, man, it's been fun to watch the pendulum swing from that emotional moment you had with him after the sure. miracle pass from Tanner Mangum at Nebraska where you're embracing him and knowing that his season's going to end again now to this point. I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's just crazy Wild. how far the pendulum has swung. Yeah. So Taysom and I were really, really close because there were so many times where you know, in the off season, he's healthy. We're training ruthlessly together. We have big plans. We're setting goals together. You know, catches, touchdown passes by him. What he's going to do this year? What I'm going to do? And then it always seemed like it just got cut short by an injury. And so it was just always super emotional to happen because we, for the six months of the off season, we're like, no, we've been planning for this. What happened? And I think one year I got hurt, hurt my shoulder, and then the other three years he got hurt. And so especially our senior years together, and it, at the time it was his senior year. We were so prepared for a big year. Both of us had wanted to go to the NFL, and we were so planned and ready to go. And it happened first, second quarter, he goes down. And I didn't really know during the game. I didn't really find out until after. That's why it was such right. an emotional yeah. embrace. And it was just him and I became really close because we, we wanted success so badly together, and we trained together, did everything together. And so uh, to have it go down like that, it was really hard for both of us. But, yeah. I mean, it's turned out well in, in life for both of us, and in, especially for him in football. It's, it's, uh, life's, life's going really well for him. Let's talk about this year's BYU football team. How would you characterize yeah. this team that's had some really nice wins and some head-scratching losses? Yeah. I, man, it just goes back to me that schedules can be so fragile. Like, guys, fans, and everyone have been so upset and, and just so, like, pulling their hair out about what has happened. And you, know, you look at the wins, it's, just a big, it's been a big roller coaster this year. But what I'll say is you, you take those, lo- those losses that, I mean, let's be honest, should have been wins, should have been teams that we steamrolled over. BYU's ranked. 
in my opinion. I mean, they are. And so uh, it's so crazy how fragile, that's the word I use, is fragile a schedule can be. One loss can ruin your year. Two bad losses can ruin your year. Even though you have two great losses or wins against ranked teams, those two bad losses can be a kind of a black eye. But the team has talent. They've done really, really well. It's just consistency this year. They've lost to teams they shouldn't have lost to. Um, but they have playmakers that I really like to watch. What's the most elite part of this BYU football team? Nice. Uh, man, um, Bushman. He's fun to watch. Matt Bushman's fun to watch. I like him a lot. And uh, I just think he's a playmaking tight end. I was actually talking to his father-in-law this morning, um, Chad Lewis, and I was saying the coolest part about your son-in-law is that he doesn't have to be wide open to make a play. A lot of guys I play with in college or the NFL, they had to be wide open, no one around them to make a play. They have to be super fast and get there. But, man, that guy makes plays when, I mean, he's reaching around people, he's jumping over people. And I like that because that was a style of play that I had, is, is you didn't have to be wide open to make a big play. So that's why I respect that guy a lot, and the tight ends are great. We need your positivity on the sideline more often. The Matthews Magic That's at right. Tennessee, Tennessee against USC. USC. Like, Boise State. It. Boise State. I was right. I was there. I was okay. I was there. Interesting. You weren't at Toledo and USF. I, I was not. I, was gonna, I should have flown out. <laughs> well, then. Who's going to fly me out? We, we do want to mention you're going to join us on November 30th for the pre and post game coverage yep. for the San Diego State. Very game. excited. So we're yeah. very excited about that. I'm very excited. It's going to be yeah. fun. I, was, I actually Instagrammed out, speaking of Instagrammed out. I said, it's, it's funny because you can always be a little bit more opinionated now that you're not playing on the team anymore. So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I'm going all out. All, 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 opinions, all opinions coming out. <laughs> the producer will have a fun time with that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Me. Yeah, exactly. It's great to have you, man. Well, it's great yeah. to have you in studio. Let's have you sign the flag. I yes, think do it. Yes. Mind signing this flag for it. us? Let's get it. It's been a minute since we had you in studio. This is a new you've, flag? This is a new like, flag. Yeah, you've you've signed the previous yeah. two flags. You haven't signed this flag, though. Yeah. This is, this is Mitch the Entrepreneur. So, there we go. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now, a man who knows all about full contact sports full, full contact competition. Practice. Sean Olmstead, BYU men's volleyball coach. Welcome on Halloween Eve and Jerem's birthday, no less. Jerem. Wow. I'm 22. What do, you, what do you think? 22. Yeah, I started okay. calling the matches when I was 11. <laughs> crazy. Are you, do you like haunted houses? No, no. I'm not I'm, into it. No, I'm going to stay away from that. I just don't. You never know what's behind that mask or who's behind that mask. And so it's scary. Right? It's just that's a, the little, idea. a little too much. I yeah. get the, that that's the idea, but yeah, a little too much. What you do like is running long distances. You've become like this super athlete over the past year. Ah, no, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's my own personal therapy and... Uh, just doing the best I can to be as healthy as I can every day. So uh, I can do that, clear my mind, and uh, give myself, uh, burn a few calories. It's a good day. Sean Olpsey with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're here to reveal the 2020 BYU men's volleyball right. schedule. Yeah. Ten home it. matches, 14 away matches. Let's start in chronological order, Sean, with uh, a really challenging road trip just after the new year. In the Midwest, at Loyola Chicago and at Lewis, what do you think of opening up on the road against two very, very capable teams? Yeah, that's that's a good spot for us to start. We did that a few years ago. We kind of had a, a back and forth with those guys. So we, we took a year off, uh, took a bit of time off, and now we're going to go out there. They're going to come to Provo. And so it's uh, it's going to be pretty chilly out there for sure. So uh, we'll, <laughs> Not we'll as cold as parkas. today. Yeah, but both of those teams are, are, are teams that are going to be in, in the top of uh, 
you know, the rankings. And so it's going to be a good matchup for us right off the bat. And the way that kind of training comes out, we'll have a little time after Christmas, about a week before we have to travel and, and be able to get things in place to play. And you can train for running around Lake Tahoe by running around Lake Michigan in between matches. I'll do that. We'll do that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> It'll be the worst. Uh, Friday and Saturday, the next weekend, Penn State at home, a pair, EIVA uh, traditional power there at Mount Olive, uh, at UC Irvine, and then uh, UCSB at home. And it uh, continues tough non-conference. Yeah. No, no, no. We're trying to – it's good for us to uh, – Pavs at Penn State. I, I really uh, love that guy. And uh, it had been some time that we – had competed with each other outside of any sort of final four matchups or different, different things. So we, we were able to go out there last year. They're coming here this year and then going to the conference Carolinas. I think that's important for men's volleyball in general. That's big to, time. You're going to go to there, build the sport. And I, we've got one of our players out from that area. So it's exciting that we get to go back there. And I looked at it as also an opportunity for, for BYU fans. The more I interact with people, I see, like, we've got fans everywhere. It's yes. crazy, you know, and volleyball fans that, you know, have come up to me. And, man, it's just it's the highlight of my weekend to watch you guys play and this and that. And we've never been out to that area because there ha- we haven't had schools out there that have Where had in North Carolina. Cool. You know? so awesome. It'll be really exciting. I'm really excited about that trip. And then turn around and uh, powerhouse UC Irvine, Santa Barbara. What a great season they had last year. And then right into UCLA, Pep. And so there's a good stretch right there and, and be, be on the road a bit and then, then get back home. What do you anticipate in the revised MPSF this year? What, who, who are the teams that you, you feel like will be at the top again? Yeah, you know, I don't think it's a handful of teams. You know, you look at Pep and they lost a bunch of guys, but I, I think they've got a great coach. Marv's still lurking around in the gym. Marv's never going to leave that gym, you know. I've tried to, tried to get him out as best we can, but Marv's still <laughs> around. But uh, David Hunt does a wonderful job, so they're going to reload. And, you know, U- USC came on, had a great season last year. They're going to be around. Of course, we've got UCLA. And so I think it's going to be a great uh, a battle between all of us for uh, kind of the crown this year in the MPSF. And it's going to be similar to what it is every single year in that conference. You had to stack seven of eight at home there at the end of January, the end of February. Uh, and then you go on the road for, I think, the final looks like uh, seven of eight as yeah. well. So that'll be a tough stretch. It is, the season. it is tough. And if you remember last year, it was exactly opposite. And so these kind of things just kind of play out in scheduling, you know, um, with Hawaii. We had Hawaii here, Princeton here, McKendree. Now we're returning to Hawaii, and then it just works out in the conference schedule that those are the ones we have to be away. So, um, hey, it'll make us a bit stronger, tougher, and um, we'd love to have a few more home games here at home. And so, um, but this year, that's kind of how it, it shakes out. And so we'll go on the road and kind of road warrior style and uh, get some wins on the road. You're just preparing to host the MPSF tournament and have three more home matches, right? There you go. That, that, there you that's go. the ideology that be, that be behind this. Yes, that's the yes, positive yes. thinking. We're a, we're a couple of years into this new format of college volleyball where there was a new conference generated, the Big West. How has that changed scheduling for you and, and things moving forward for the sport? Yeah, it 
it makes it you kind of have to be it'd be better if we were all directly aligned with each other in terms of hey when we can start when we uh, you know what date are we going to competing until because there's a few conference games here and there that make it a little hard to schedule non-conference games and then we have a bye weekend in the middle of March where it makes it more difficult for us to get in with some other conferences that are going strong. And so um, it'd be nice that we, you know, we're, I think there, we are working to get on the same page together so that we can look very similar to kind of how the women's game is doing it where, hey, the first four to five weeks, it's, it's all non-conference. Nobody's starting conference. And so uh, I think everyone's working towards that goal. Tell us a little bit about the makeup of this team, too. You lose Taylor Richards as a senior, but return a lot of talent yeah. and uh, will probably be expected to be in the top three or top five, right? Yeah, you know, um, I'm comfortable being outside the top three or five. You know, uh, I remember our coach, Carl, used to just celebrate when we, you know, weren't in that area, you know, at the start <laughs> of the was? season. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, no, but these guys, you know, we returned a lot of guys that, you know, kind of went through a not so typical BYU men's volleyball season last year. And I, I believe they've grown from that. And so uh, we got the, the familiar faces of, of Gabby, Davide. You know, Will's going to be back at full strength, ready to go. He is back now, you know, but uh, Felipe, Mickey, and so uh, Libero's Zach. We got Mitch that actually played a lot before his back mission. mission. Yeah, and so there's a handful of guys. And then we've got Andrew Lincoln, Zach Eschenberg. So it's a lot of familiar faces. And uh, they've been doing a really, really nice job in the gym. And, and we'll get going full swing here with uh, our full, full practice next week. BYU head volleyball coach Sean Olmstead with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, the women's volleyball program. You're watching your sister perform at a, a high level again. They're the number 11 team in the country. Um, wh- just, what does this say about the volleyball programs in general to year in and year out have this type of program? Or what does it do for recruiting and for the future of your programs? Yeah, it's great. I look at it um, and a- a- as we talk to kids and we talk with recruits, I look at it starting from our administration. You know, volleyball is a, a- primetime sport here on campus, you know, men's and women's. And that's pretty unique. You don't, you don't see the support from the top down uh, at other schools. You know, they may have a great women's program or maybe a great men's program, but uh, it's fortunate that we have the outstanding support system behind us that are willing to promote the game, promote the environment, and make it, you know, the home matches an experience here on campus. And so uh, they're doing a great job, again, you know, reload and go. And so it's going to be exciting to see what they do down the home stretch as they get closer to the NCAA tournament. I know they're not talking to their girls about that, and they're probably going to be mad I even say that. Um, but, but uh, yeah, they've, they've done a great job, a bunch of great kids there. And so it's, it's fun to watch them and support them. Sean, we're excited, man. January 3rd, Friday at Loyola, Chicago. It'll be here before we know it. Oh, it's right around it's, the corner. It's coming up fast. Yep. Absolutely. All right. right after Jeremy's birthday. Yeah, that's, <laughs> those things matter the most, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the presents for in the hall, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I brought those. Exactly. I brought those. Exactly. Okay, thanks, Sean. Okay, thanks, Sean. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is former BYU quarterback standout NFL draft pick in the second round and a man who is currently training professional and college quarterbacks, John Beck. John, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. What's going on, fellas? Hey, man, what a week for the Cougars uh, coming off of a bye after beating a ranked Boise State team. And now they have an opportunity to go back-to-back wins against rivalry teams, which has been hard to come by under Kalani Satake. So, John, uh, as a onlooker from Southern California, what is the temperament of BYU football from your perspective? Well, I think it's a feeling of getting back on track, right? I kind of feel like through that first stretch of those first four games when BYU came out, you know, with some some good wins, you know, I, I feel like they felt like they were in a good place. Okay, you know, we we uh, won some games that were huge for us. We had some confidence. And then it was like there were these couple hiccup games, right? You have the Toledo game, the South Florida game, saying, wait a second, the, like those were not supposed to happen like that, especially games that you feel where you were in control or you should have walked away with a win. So I feel like now after this, you know, Boise win, it's okay, look, now let's, let's get back on track because I think there's an absolute opportunity to win out the rest of the season, and a lot of it just starts with putting another game, another win after this Boise win. See, John, I, I think that's the biggest question. This is something that I even asked Kalani yesterday at the, at the Monday press conference. How do you take a great performance like we saw against Boise State where everything was clicking, the execution was at such a high level, how do you take a great performance and make that the new norm and not just one game? Well, I think it just comes down to consistency. I think when you look at inconsistent teams, inconsistent teams can put it together for a game, but then they struggle to put it together for a stretch of games. And I think that's what separates the really good teams from just your kind of average college teams. I think if you went across America and you looked at you know, a lot of the average teams, you'll find a game or two here or there where things clicked and things went well and then a game or two where it didn't, and it just comes down to consistency. Are you able to repeat the efficiency level that you're playing at week in and week out? And, look, there's no team that's going to do it for 13 weeks in a row. No team's going to do that. There's going to be games where, you know, certain aspects of the game plan, they don't work like you thought they were going to. There's certain things that you anticipated that now that defense isn't doing them and you've prepared all week for something, and now you kind of have to make adjustments. And, Sometimes another mark of a great team is the ability when things aren't going well to be able to make a second-half adjustment, put it together in the second half to secure a win. So when I say efficient football, it doesn't mean all four quarters of every single game. It means the overall ability to be efficient when you need to be. And a lot of that comes down to like third downs, not turning the ball over, getting touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, instead of field goals, not turning the ball over, or taking sacks in bad areas. So I think a lot of that just comes down to uh, being able to be repeatable with that consistency. And I'm sure that that's what BYU is looking for, saying, okay, how can we get this so that this happens weekly for us from here on out? Oh, man, here's some more consistency in what has been a largely inconsistent season. John Beck with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's ask you the question that everybody's asking themselves right now across BYU Sports Nation, and that is, who would you start at quarterback at Utah State, given the unique situation for Baylor Romney and Jaron Hall? That's tough. Uh, it's tough because I, I did Ben Criddle's show a few weeks back, and I just said, you know, one thing that the coaches know that none of us on the outside know 
is what it looked like on a daily basis between Jaron and Baylor, right? Like, was there a big gap between the two and the three, or was it a small one? Was that ever something where uh, the coaches considered that the number two job was up for grabs because it was such a close race between the two of them, and Jaron edged him out, and that's why he got it? Or, or in their minds, was there a, a, a larger gap? And I know that now with the situation of uh, Baylor beating Boise, it's really easy to say, hey, a guy came in, he played well, he got a W, let's roll with him. But that being said, you don't know what was that space between him and Jaron. Like there may be some things that the coaches feel like they can do offensively. There may be some things that they feel like Jaron is just better at, and that's why he got the nod for, for South Florida. If that's the case, I've seen this before on teams, right? A guy comes back and it's, automatically that guy's job, right? Because he didn't do anything to necessarily lose it. It wasn't like Darren was benched because of poor performance or because of poor decision-making. He didn't do anything wrong. He just got hit in the head. Now, Baylor goes out there and beats a ranked team. I can see why it's hard to, you know, say, well, let's, let's, not, or let's not play him or let's play him. So, you know, I think it just comes down to what the coaches feel like this week, you know? What is the team going to do? Who is the team going to continue to kind of rise with and if they feel like hey we have a great feeling right now with what happened with Baylor in the game and the team is going to continue to rise with him then I think you go with the guy that you feel like the team everybody collectively is going to continue this upward climb. John you've been in this situation before in your time at BYU with Matt Barry and yourself among others Jason Beck What's this like emotionally for a quarterback at BYU to kind of wonder who are the coaches going to go with and uh, am I the guy? Well, my case there was surrounded by a lot of injury. It was like broken hands and all these weird things were going on. So ours was kind of like except for the first game of the season and coming out of a fall camp, you know, we kind of knew who was likely going to be playing because either Matt broke his hand, I broke his hand, I separated my shoulder, you know, like – those kind of things. When those type of things happen, when it happens with an injury and you know somebody can't play, well then, well then it's easy. But this one is, like I said, Jaron's performance against South Florida was not a bad performance. I know the team lost, but the team was winning uh, for a lot of that game. And so he doesn't have any reasons why he shouldn't be playing other than health concerns. Baylor, I feel like, did a great job of just executing the game plan and you know, there's kind of like a limited uh, thing for us to look at of what he's able to do. We've, we've only seen him play in those four quarters of football, really, and then a little bit at the end of South Florida. So uh, it's as a quarterback, you want to know if you're going to be playing so that you can practice and prepare that way. I think to kind of answer your question of what it feels like when you don't know, and I felt like this in the NFL a few times where our teams had lost and Either I was going to become the starter because the coach might bench the starter, or I was the starter, but the team wasn't winning, and then he's considering making a change. You're out there at practice sharing reps, and you're up, the next guy's up, and you're both looking at each other like, do you know if you're going? Because I haven't been told anything, and vice versa. He's asking, well, have you been told if you're going? Because we're both trying to figure this out. And that's where I say, that doesn't help the team rise. But you want to do, you want to make a decision and then you want the team to be able to move forward so that they can all together continue this upward kind of like climb to get to the place where you can be more consistent. I just think it's really hard when you're splitting reps at quarterback all the time in practice. 
how does that create a continuity for you to be efficient at the games? What do you make of this Utah State team, and, and what are your memories of playing the Aggies? I didn't. I never played them. My senior year, uh, I was coming up like I was playing injured, and they hadn't won a game in a long time. And uh, I was approached about saying, hey, we think it's best for the team if you sit this one out. So that was really the only time uh, that I would have had a chance to play against um, the Aggies. But, I mean, here's the thing. I've been impressed with their program. I have a lot of friends that are tight with the program. Um, I've been impressed with what their program has done over the last few years. I think it's a great program. Um, you know, I anticipated the Air Force game to go differently. I think that uh, I've seen Utah State play well in games. I've seen Utah State not play as well as I think some people thought they might have within the Mountain West. So I think it's going to be an interesting game because it's going to happen up in Logan. I know that that fan base is going to be fired up to play against BYU. I think the last time that BYU, or maybe the last two times, when was the last time BYU won up there? It's been a few years, hasn't 20, it? 2015, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, right now they probably feel like they have the edge. Like, there's guys on that team that have beat BYU before, but there's nobody on the BYU team that's beat Utah State before, right? Am I saying it all correctly? Uh, I, I'd have to look into that, but I think it's, yeah, that's probably pretty accurate that there aren't many guys that know what a, lot, a victory is like against Utah State. Right, so even though Utah State didn't do well against Air Force, yeah, excuse me, Air Force, you just never know because there's those emotional things to the game. I would hope that BYU expects a really good Utah State team to play one of their best games of the year because it just kind of goes that way, right? They find a way to put it together. The coaches have put in some specific plays. They're looking forward to BYU. There's that in-state rivalry thing that they want to be able to once again say that, hey, of the teams in the state, we're the ones that are winning. Uh, So it's going to be a really, really, I think, highly emotional and contested game. I just hope that what BYU can do is that they can continue to build off of this Boise win because I liked what the team did. I felt like there were some really good play calls. I felt like the management offensively was really, really good, especially given the weather conditions. It's not easy to play uh, efficient football in bad conditions where you're not turning the ball over or there's sloppy plays here or there. And I feel like that's one of the things that helped BYU was They executed the game plan. Baylor did a really good job of not trying to go outside of himself or do too much in his first start, but just play within the offense and play within the game plan. And I think that BYU, if they just continue to play that way, I think that they can put themselves in a really good position to not only you know win but to do really well this week. John, it's great to yeah, it's great to catch up with you again, man. As we say goodbye, give me the name that's going to start at for BYU against Utah State. Oh gosh. I, you know what? I'm actually not gonna. I'm gonna let us just guys go to break. <laughs> the little red light is gonna be flashing. Like we need to go to commercial. Get John off the phone, and then it's uh, it's like that little light in Sacramento meeting. Up, oh, I'm done. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I love it, man. Hey, it's great to catch up with you, brother. All right, man. We'll see you guys. You got it, John Beck on the Desert First Credit Union Hotline. Desert First, you know why we show how. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It's time to track BYU football opponents. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Let's start with the team BYU faces next. Utah State lost 31-7 at Air Force on 128 total yards. Pathetic! They had the ball for 15 minutes for the game. 15 minutes more than I did. The Aggies are 4-3, host Brigham Saturday, USU. 
opened at 7.5. It's down to four now. Okay. Liberty had a five-game winning streak end with a 44-34 loss at Big Ten Power Rutgers. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what? Hey, at least the Flames got paid a million dollars to play in that contest, so they nice. win even in a loss. Mm-hmm. Flames fall to 5-3 and three on the season and travel to take on UMass. Oh, that's a big one. This week. Idaho State lost 59-34 at Southern Utah. The 3-5 and five Bengals host Northern Colorado this week. Speaking of UMass, they lose to another Eastern Power, UConn, 56-35 in a battle of one-win teams. Again, UMass and Liberty face off this weekend. Liberty's going to technically get bowl eligible if they beat UMass, but will there be a bowl game for right. the Flames? We'll see. San Diego State beat UNLV 20-17. to The uh, Aztecs were up 17-0. UNLV clanked off the field goal post, a would-be tying field mm-hmm. goal near the end of the game. So San Diego State 7-1, ranked 25th. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about this. I San Diego State, you just call them the fake idea of college football. You wish it was UCLA, but they're worse than that. They don't even have a friend who can make the fake ID. And yet UCLA beat Arizona State this weekend yeah. because that's what they yeah. do. They win yeah. a couple of those games Utah, like, huh? Hey, Utah, the Pac-12 South is wide open. Just walk through that door. <laughs> Everyone sticks there. Ah, oh, here we go. Now to the opponents the Cougars have already played. Beginning with Utah. The Utes crack into the top 10 this week at number 9 after blah, a 35 nothing shutout of Cal. Zach Moss, 115 yards, two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That said, the Utes now have to go to Seattle and take yeah. on the Washington Huskies. They are 1-6 all-time in Pac-12 play. Talent gap. Will it ever Is be it competitive? Even competitive? Yeah, will it ever be competitive? If Utah loses this year? Oh. oh, man, it's just, I don't know. Tennessee beats South Carolina 41-21. Three and five on the season. The Big Orange play UAB this week. They've won the last three games against unranked teams. That's all it took is to get past the ranked foes. Do you not find yourself, at least a little bit, rooting for the Volunteers? I do. I but with totally Utah, I hope them. they lose every game for the remainder of the Earth's <laughs> history. <laughs> USC scored 14 fourth quarter points and dramatically beat Colorado in Boulder 35-31. The Trojans now five and three. And still sit atop the Pac-12 South Division because they beat Utah head-to-head. That's right. They have the tiebreaker, too. USC hosts 7th-ranked <laughs> Oregon this weekend. Oh, you know what I want? Never mind. Never mind. It's I over. I love chaos. I would love nothing more than for USC to beat Oregon. No. Oregon's the best shot to beat Utah in the Pac-12 title game. Granted, that could still happen if Oregon loses. No, no, no. I want Oregon to win out. Beat Utah. I, go to the playoff. I man. am in favor of chaos. Chaos in no, the Pac-12. No, chaos might benefit Utah. So, no. Washington had a bye week. They'll uh, host number nine Utah and Seattle. We are all Huskies. Okay, this so week. they're off a bye week too, like BYU. Yes, double prepared for Utah. Toledo snaps a two-game losing streak, barely, with a 37-34 overtime win over Eastern Michigan. Yeah. The Rockets now five and three, and they have a bye week forthcoming. And South Florida beat East Carolina 45-20. Jordan Cronkright rushed for 129, two touchdowns. Bulls four and four have a bye week this week. Boise State moves up one spot to 21 in the latest AP poll after a bye week. That's a beneficial bye week. You lose to BYU, take a break, and you still move up in the rankings. Broncos travel to San Jose State this weekend. Oh, by one. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, there are six non-Power 5 teams in the rankings. That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay, I want to look at USF's upcoming schedule because they're 4-4, four and, four, and you and I were talking no about No one breaks this. down South Florida no, no. Bulls football you, like BYU. You and I were talking before the show about will the Eastern trend continue for BYU where they lose to teams 
in the Eastern Times on the finish with a winning record. You always one win since 82 against teams they played in the Eastern Time Zone that finished with a winning record. One in That's 18? Silly. One in 18 right now? I don't know. It's one in too many. Or one in 17? It's one in too many. Could it be one in 19 by the time we get to the end of the season? Yes, if Toledo it's, and USF both Toledo, finish with winning records. Toledo's going to have a winning record. I don't know about Okay, so USF is 4-4. Four and four. They host Temple. They Temple's going to win. They could possibly win the game at home. It's in Tampa. But then South Florida hosts 17th-ranked Cincinnati. That's a loss. Then they host 24th-ranked Memphis. That's a loss. And then they play at UCF. That's a loss. So, no, it's over. <laughs> Dunzo. Okay. So that team, oh, it hurts. It hurts. That was, yeah, that's a bad one no, no matter mm-hmm. how you – They're not going to finish up. with a winning record. That, that's not going to they, happen. Yeah, they could – no, they could be 8-4 and, and we'd still be upset. San Diego State ranked right now. Do you think the Aztecs will win every game – and be maybe, I don't know, number 19 or number 20 when BYU faces them in the regular season finale. That would be really interesting uh, because San Diego State has not played like anybody. Let's go over their victories once I, again. I don't, yeah, I just don't think they're that good, and I'm intrigued. So They lost to Utah State. They beat Weber State 6 nothing. Weber State is a top five FCS team, but still 6 nothing. Uh, beat UCLA by 9. Uh, beat New Mexico State by 21, lost to Utah State by 6, beat Colorado State by 14, beat Wyoming by 4, beat San Jose State by 10. San Jose State by 10. And beat UNLV by 3. Like, margins matter when figuring out how good a team is. It is about winning at the end of the day, but margins do matter. San Diego State has won 7 of its 8 games. They deserve to be probably in the top 25, but it just feels like they aren't. That great. Because They've got a top 25 who's, defense. Who's they do not playing, have a top 25 offense. Like, will BYU at the end could be 7-4 and four, BYU beats Utah State and, and the easy three. Will BYU be the best team that, that San Diego State would have played all year? It, it feels like they would be. Maybe. They haven't played, they haven't played anybody. UCLA is the worst. They're garbage. All BYU fans should root for San Diego State yes. to run the table. Yes. Because that would give BYU amazingly... An opportunity to win three ranked games and only lose two, and it would be a record five games yes. against ranked teams. Yes. I say play ranked teams every week. <laughs> That's the kind of schedule I want. Said no one. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's go on to basketball for topic three. Good news from the NCAA for BYU. What? Alex Barcelo granted his waiver. The transfer from Arizona will now be able to immediately play and impact this BYU basketball season. How will the addition of the junior guard and transfer Alex Barcelo change the season for BYU basketball? I think BYU wins a game or two that they wouldn't have because they get an extra veteran guard that's talented. Now, if you look at his stats from Arizona – you're, you're thinking, well, perhaps the impact's not that big. I think Alex Barcelo has a lot to prove, to prove that he's a good player. He, in high school, he won two 6A titles, was a two-time Gatorade Player of the Year. This guy is a good player, and he's going to fit into a system that I think will accentuate what he does well. He, this guy is so happy, by the way. He is so fun to talk to. We're going to talk to him in the next segment. It'll be our second interview with him. I really like him. I think he looks at his own performance at Arizona and says, you know what? I'm going to get more of a chance at BYU. That's why he left. He mm-hmm. wants to play more, right? He's going to get more of a chance here. It's a senior-heavy group. He's one of those upperclassmen you add into that. He, he's a tremendous defender. 
Uh, he can get a steal, knock down a shot. Great scorer, great joy, great teammate. I love everything about this guy. Is he going to average 20? I don't know. Like, on, with this group, with Jake Toulson and TJ Haas and eventually Yoli Childs, hopefully Alex Barcelo is a guy that, if he doesn't start, comes off the bench and is a real spark uh, at point guard and can back up TJ Haas. And now you have someone that you trust that can take care of the ball, knock down a shot, play good defense. Good. I hope Alex Parcello is what Nick Emery was at his best. Okay. That kind of player yeah. off the bench. Now, the guy I was thinking of was Skylar Halford. I hope Alex mm. Parcello can be that type of player for BYU. Off the bench, immediate energy, good three-point shooter. He'll have his day in the sun. He'll have a game or two where he goes for 18 points or 20 points, knocks down four or five three-pointers. Like That's going to happen. But he's an eighth scholarship player available for Mark Pope. Eight whole scholarship players. That's crazy. <laughs> You're supposed to have 13. First and foremost, he's a healthy eighth scholarship player. And the guard line is already somewhat deep, but he's going to be put in. BYU's got to go small this year because they don't have very many big men available. And he is, he is 6'2", 180, so a little smaller, but he'll be the, the uh, point behind TJ or a combo guard with TJ. We'll see. Yeah, another good shooter from what we're told going on in BYU basketball practice right now. So BYU's real vacancy still remains in the post. Oh, 100%. BYU needed Richard Harward to get a waiver. Haven't heard back officially. Yeah, and Wyatt Lowell well, did not he didn't, uh, he didn't he did apply not apply. for a waiver. Yeah, he so he apply. is definitely out. So he played way too much to get a waiver. BYU still waits to hear if Richard Harward I don't expect it. He played a lot. I don't know why he'd get one, but it'd be awesome. So he's uh, speaking of Alex Barcelo. He is needed depth for the backcourt, Jan. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the NCAA goes. You know what? Yeah, nine games is crazy. Well, and so we'll give you a hard word. And look at the situation he came from at the University of Arizona. And I'm I'm guessing that probably factored into it as well. Right. Okay, you were kind of in a messy situation down there with the coaching staff and sanctions and. That sounds like me applying for uh, school lunch in elementary school. You know what? I need to get it free, and here's why. (laughs) (laughs) And it was granted. (laughs) When we talk about Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney and who's going to get the start at quarterback in Logan, it really does boil down to just one question. Which player, and you talked about this, gives BYU the best chance to win? That's what it boils down to. And you get the chance to join in on this topic as well via our live vote at vote.byutv.org. You can weigh in on the following question. Which BYU quarterback gives the Cougars the best chance to win against Utah State? How would you answer that? You and I recently went to Denver to watch your Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Denver Broncos on Thursday night primetime NFL football. Yes, we did. And we had the luxury of renting a car, (laughs) okay? And with our elite status as those renters of said car, (laughs) we had options. So when we walk out, they say to us, well, do you want the Toyota Corolla or do you want the Hyundai Elantra? And it's like... Um, you got to go with your gut on that one. How different are they? <laughs> They're both going to do the job, right? They're both going to get you from point A to point B and get you 40-plus miles to the gallon, reliable. They're both new-ish. So it's like, I don't know, flip a coin. I kind of feel that way about Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney, where put either one in, and I think either one gives BYU a nice opportunity to win the game. Now, which do you prefer? Are you a Toyota person? Are you a Hyundai person? Maybe you're a Dodge person or a Chevy person, whatever. You you go with your instinct yes. and your gut in that moment. It's like, well, they're all really nice. They all are new, uh, but I'm kind of leaning towards a Toyota. So 
Where are you on that? That's how I feel this Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney situation is. If health is not a concern and Jaron is totally clear of concussion protocol, it could be like a coin flip type situation. I feel like either one gives you an opportunity. I am leaning slightly towards Jaron just because I like his ability to run around against that Utah State defense more so than Baylor. So, I mean, it is really close. It's it's picking between the new Toyota Corolla and the new Hyundai Elantra as your rental car. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's very close, but I still believe it's Jaron. And I go back to the fact that throughout the entire season, he's proven himself to be Zach Wilson's backup. And therefore, the starter when Zach is not available. His athleticism, and I'm not saying Baylor is not athletic. We certainly saw against Boise State that he was. But Jaron's athleticism with the offense that we saw against the Broncos, I think that could be really explosive. And again, Baylor has done nothing to not deserve to play. Right. But, but Jaron, when healthy, should play. And I want to give him the opportunity to prove that he gives BYU that best chance to win. And, and I, I think a lot of it does come down to mobility and overall athleticism with Jaron. I, I think it opens up a few more things, and I think it keeps the defense uh, guessing a little bit more. And again, that's not taking anything away from Baylor and not saying he's not athletic because we saw that he was. But I just give the edge... I'm like you. I give the edge to Jaron in that and put him out there again if he's healthy. And I, I would assume he is. Everything seems to be going that direction for this week. But I, I think he still gives you the best chance to win. Vote.byutv.org. Which QB gives BYU a better chance to win at Utah State right now? Baylor Romney has 58% and dropping to 55% against Jaron Hall's 45%. Now, I sent out a poll question yesterday that said, which would you start at quarterback? And out of over 1,100 votes, Jaron Hall won that poll on Twitter, 59 to 41%. It's really close, Jason. It's really close. So let's ask a holiday-themed question. Look at Pennywise. What spooks you the most about the Utah State game, if anything at all, officer? Okay, the Aggies are coming off a terrible loss. Returning home with rivalry motivation and some major points to prove. Now, this sounds similar to what BYU was doing when they were coming off a terrible situation following a loss to USF, returning home with rivalry motivation and a point to prove. So, yes, it seems eerily similar to what BYU just did to Boise State. The Cougars have to expect this Utah State team to be way better than the one that played against Air Force. I'm going to take off my sunglasses. <laughs> I can so, barely go so it together. So Jerem can compose himself. <laughs> Get it together! <laughs> I'm, 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 doing all right there? I'm BYU in October. You're doing I'm, all right I'm there? good. Okay. Don't you, okay, in all seriousness, don't you think this is a weirdly yes, similar situation? to what BYU did to Boise State as to what Utah State is now facing against BYU. Yes and no. They have a lot more to play for, Utah State does. They have a, they have a division title still in the balance. They can control their own destiny against, uh, against uh, Boise State to a degree. Air Force, obviously a challenge, right, in the same division. So perhaps Utah State, yeah. What spooks me? I'll tell you, Utah State's three losses are to good teams. Wake Forest is ranked 23rd. That was the opening loss, by the way, by three points. LSU's ranked number one in the AP poll, number two in the coaches. <laughs> and then Air Force, six and two. 20 and three combined. I mean, that, that's the three losses are understandable, are respectable, I would say. Well, but losing the way they lost to yes, Air Force yes. is different. 
Um, losing the way they lost to LSU is like, yeah, well, they're like amazing. And LSU, it was in LSU's Death Valley. the top team in college football. The Aggies stink at time of possession. They go fast. They're not looking to be a leader in that. But um, red zone touchdown percentage, they're the worst in college football. You know who's third worst? BYU. Yeah. What spooks me is this stat, which is not our stat of the day, courtesy of Dave McCann. BYU's turnover margin in the two losses to the Aggies in 2017 and 18 is negative nine. Oh boy. Ten to one. And this season, BYU, in its three wins has not turned the ball over a single time in those games. So turnovers is a huge deal. What spooks me, that Utah State is very good at home. They've won 10 straight non-conference games at home. They're very good there. And that crowd, albeit 25,000, makes some noise, gets loud. They talk a lot, right? This is, this is a big deal when BYU comes to town in Logan. And BYU has lost two in a row, has lost three of five, and has a lot to prove. Can BYU maintain the same sense of urgency that they had against Boise State, I would say that's going to be a challenge. BYU's feeling pretty confident. They're not playing the same, with the same level of desperation and urgency that they were two weeks ago. And Utah State, like you said, comes in uh, like an animal cornered, a little desperate to make a point and play way better than the Air Force game. Now, BYU does have the advantage of coming off of a bye week, which Utah State had the previous two seasons, both Utah State wins against BYU. I wish BYU didn't. I wish BYU had played this game last week. Even with a quarterback that's not Zach Wilson, with some extra time to prepare and for BYU to be able to watch Air Force? See, I kind of like that perhaps, dynamic. Yeah, yeah. I, just in terms of momentum, I want to keep that going. I want to do the Satake show three days later. I want to do all that stuff because BYU had a tremendous win. BYU has been schizophrenic enough this year to bring some serious smiles and some deflating frowns to all of BYU Sports Nation. Where has BYU tricked or treated you this year on the football field? Okay, tricked. Hello, Hello Dennis. Uh, BYU, I was tricked against Utah. I thought BYU would be competitive. They were not, and that was very disappointing. Um, losing to Toledo and South Florida, obviously tricked. Like, whoa, what? I, I could argue that the, it's a treat and a trick that BYU beat USC. That was yes. awesome. Yes. That BYU came back at Tennessee in the way it did with Micah Simon and overtime. That was awesome. Obviously, beating Boise State was tricked. Um, this offense has not been as explosive as we thought it'd be. I was a little tricked there, but there have been some real treats. You're right, though. It's been uh, it's been up and down. Um, I wanted to see BYU come out and be more competitive with Utah at the start of the season. Yeah, cue the people that say, "Hey, it was a three point game at halftime." Losers talk about halftime scores, okay? Halftime scores, not okay. Yeah. What trick treated you this year? Oh, man. I, first of all, the biggest trick that BYU played on me this year was what happened in Tampa. I guarantee to win. I, I guarantee yeah. it. BYU is going to finally win a game in the state of Florida because USF is terrible. They are not good. They are not <sighs> disciplined. BYU had a double-digit lead in that game. Jaron Hall was playing well. Then the second half happened, and USF, up to that point, dismal run offense, ran wild against BYU. That was a mean trick. Like BYU could not slow that down. So USF running all over BYU and winning that game and keeping the Cougars winless in Florida, yikes. But treated, man, in the most fantastic way, as I'm standing next to my producer Travis Cameron at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee, with under 20 seconds to play, and I see Zach Wilson drop back and roll to the right, and I think, Micah Simon kind of looks like he's wide open. <laughs> oh, my goodness, he's wide open. 
that that was such a treat because it was so unexpected. It'll go down as one of the great last-second comebacks in BYU football history. Zach Wilson's touchdown run against USC was amazing. The BYU coaches against Boise State were Amen. a real treat. Amen. I know that Baylor Romney was fantastic. Matt Bushman was fantastic. Their play calling, their aggressive nature, so that was such a treat to watch BYU and the staff do something they haven't really done in a while. Both of those touchdown passes, fourth and one, the flea flicker, double reverse, incredible stuff. Serious Aggressive, treats. creative, yes. customized, progressive, like so good. There have been some really highs, and, and that's, that's what's tough, right? You see how good BYU can be, and yeah. then you think, wait, what happened against Toledo and South Florida? Because if BYU wins those two games, they don't go into the Boise State game with the same level of urgency and motivation. But, but I think BYU's matched up pretty well with Boise State outside of Boise State teams that win New Year's Six games. Like, those are other-level uh, Boise State teams. BYU could have had a season that we feel different about, right? If, if BYU is sitting here at 5-2, and two, it's a different convo. Now, if BYU beats Utah State and then proceeds to win the next three and are on a five-game win streak, Amazing. then the USF loss and the Toledo loss, maybe it's worth it because it created yeah. such adversity and required a drastic change in the staff. That Why did that have to happen is my I know. question it, it before hurts. that, right? It yeah. hurts, but maybe that's a good thing because then everything changed. Right. I want BYU just to be ready every time. Like, be ready for Toledo. Yes. Let's go. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We have a two-quarterback system working here in the studio. Yeah, yes, we do. We might as well make it a three-quarterback I can be system. the running back, whatever. Okay. No, let's go three-quarterbacks. Three-quarterbacks. And, and welcome that's, in our that's a terrible next idea. guest, Alex Barcelo, <laughs> the newest uh, cleared and waived player from the NCAA to be available for BYU basketball. <laughs> Alex, welcome to Studio B. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. No, it's a great feeling. It's great to be here. How did you find out that that waiver was granted, and where were you when you found out? Um, I found out uh, Chad, our compliance guy, he came in at the beginning of practice. I mean, we were all huddled up, ready to hear Coach talk before I give us our pre, pre-practice talk. And uh, he asked me, like, how would I feel about playing this year? And I was like, well, I mean, I'd love to play this year. Like, and anything to get me to play this year. And he's like, well, get, get ready, suit up. <laughs> and then everyone just crowded me. Everyone, like basically almost tackled me to the floor and was so excited. And, I mean, it almost brought tears to my eyes just because, like, I've been working so hard, hard and been wanting this so much and been wanting to play with this team. And there's just a bunch of great guys to be with, and I'm really excited to play with them this year. Well, we're really excited. Uh, not as excited as you probably, right? But we're <laughs> stoked because with the Yoli Childs news, it felt like excessive. And now BYU gets a break. So um, walk us through the process of what it's like to apply for a waiver and, and what you have to do in that. Um, so you basically put together a um, bunch of documents, like, and submit your case, um, however many documents that may be. Uh, what kind of documents are you talking about? Just, like, uh, like statements from you, from friends, from former teammates, just kind of whatever your case was about, kind of to support that and make sure that it's valid. And then you submit it to the NCAA, and they, like, kind of review it, maybe send you some follow-up questions back. They sent me a couple follow-up questions that I had to answer. I answered those, turned them back in, and then they sent my whole case over to Arizona, my former school, and then they have um, like about 10 business days to, 
to make a statement back about it, and then uh, they send it to the NCAA and they make a decision. And and, and you get it back. They, yeah. And, and do they explain why they give it to you, or they just say you can play? I'm pretty sure they just said that I could play. Oh, okay. so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> because right. I'd love yeah. to know why one person does and one person doesn't. So, for example, we're still waiting here on Richard Harward, right? Right. Can he play? So, yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. But maybe no, fingers are crossed that right. that he gets his. Sure, and still, now, still haven't heard back. Right. Yeah, we'll take an eighth scholarship player for this BYU basketball <laughs> team, given everything that has happened. Alex, where do you expect to make the biggest impact on this team this year, given the circumstances of Gavin Baxter being out and Yoli Childs having to sit out the first nine games and so on and so forth? Um, I mean, I kind of focus on my energy. Like I love to. I mean, my teammates say that I have a dog mentality, so I like to bring uh, just the energy and the, the hard work and player onto the court and try to get guys going, get everyone's energy up so we're all playing hard. And I mean, it's easy to do on this team because the guys are so phenomenal. I mean, they, they bring it every day, and it's, it's an easy job to do. But I'm very excited for this season and, and where, we're, where we're headed. Mark Pope told us on Basketball Media Day that he was still waiting for the day where you guys either were late or didn't bring it with the energy. Have you had that day yet, or are you still good? No, we're still good. You're still yeah. good. That's amazing. <laughs> what, what has that taken as a group to maintain that where this is a grind? We're going to go until hopefully deep into March, right, um, all the way from September. How do you keep that up every day with this group? I mean, luckily we have a, gr- a great group of seniors. I mean, all, all those seniors, they, they really hold the younger guys accountable. Um, and just, I mean, everyone, everyone shows up, do, does their job on time, and everyone's ready to go. I mean, we, we have everyone on our coaching staff is, is great, and they hold us all accountable. So it, it's a really great uh, program to be in. What do you feel like you'll be able to do at BYU that you weren't able to do while you were playing at Arizona? Um, I mean... I don't know. Just I know, like I, I'll, I'll probably get get a great opportunity here, and uh, I mean, I'm just gonna take every day and, and live it in the present and absorb everything, and uh, just go out there and give it all that I have. I mean, I, I love this game, and I don't know how many years I have left playing this game. Hopefully, I mean, my goals are to play professionally, but I'm I'm just gonna take every day and li- live it in the present and hope for the best. And maybe it is as simple as an opportunity. Because, you know, I mean, if you didn't feel like you got a real opportunity in Arizona, maybe it's you come to BYU so you can get that shot. I'll answer for you. It's more minutes. (laughs) It's more minutes. It's more shots. Uh It's more everything. Uh Uh That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Were you nervous about this process? Did you think you'd get a waiver? Um, I was a little bit nervous just because I I don't don't know with the NCAA. I mean, they have a tendency. Neither do we. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, thankfully, they they granted me it. And... uh, I mean, I was just I was working every day like I was going to play this year. I mean, even if I didn't play this year, I was going to continue to work that hard um, just to prepare the entire year. Um, but it was definitely a blessing that it came through, and, and I'm ready to go. Oh, man, all of BYU Sports Nation super stoked that uh, that you get the waiver. Do you have, like, a, like uh, someone that's consulting with you when you're filling out this paperwork? Do you have, like, a, is, is Chad William? Is it the compliance team? Like, who, who, do you have to do all this by yourself, or do you have a team of people around you helping you put together these documents? Oh, no, I mean, we, we have great help here at BYU. I mean, Chad it was helping me. My coaches were helping me. Just, like, it, it was an unbelievable, I mean, process, and I, had, I didn't do anything by myself. I mean, I had great help along the way. Sure. Well, Mark Pope's a smart guy, too, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the Very perfect smart. guy to consult with. <laughs> exactly. And Mark's a guy that transferred for a better opportunity, right? A guy from Washington to Kentucky, and I think that worked out, right, for a national championship. Yeah. I remember watching him as a player going, oh, that guy's a Mormon. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, do, do you uh, 
immediately join the I'm playing guys in practice and you leave your team of Yoli, Richard, Harward, and uh, Wyatt, and so on, that were the practice squad, if you will? Do you now shift to the I'm playing team? Uh, I mean... I, and you mixed I, it up, right? Yeah, no, I did. I mean, But I there was, was a group of we're sitting out yeah, there was a, there was a redshirt group. Um, there was a redshirt group, and, and we would practice every day. And I was on that squad. And then you've now defected to the I'm playing group. <laughs> I mean, I didn't like. I didn't the when when we heard after practice, I, Jake came over to me and he took off my jersey and flipped me over to that squad. <laughs> and, yes. and it yes. just, I mean, he put a big smile on my face. That's so. hilarious. Yeah. Jake's like, come on, it, you get to play. Leave those yeah. clowns over there. Oh, that is really funny. <laughs> okay, I feel like you're a dangerous man, meaning that you, that you are a better player than the opportunity you got at Arizona and that you will take advantage of this. Am I off in that in terms of you want to prove yourself now that you have a, a different opportunity? Am I off? I, I definitely want to prove myself um, just because, I mean, obviously my, my opportunity will hopefully be bigger here. Um, but, I mean, I just, like, I, I feel like I'm a hard worker and I, and I love to work hard every day and I, and I put everything into this game. So I'm, I'm just hoping that it plays out. And, uh, I mean, we have a great support system here and a great group of guys. So I'm just, I'm just happy that I get to play with them and alongside them. So The advantage of going small is you can have more shooters and you can be quick, right? The disadvantage is rebounding, perhaps, or, you know, the good post player to defend him or whatnot. Give us an idea of the sense of what this team is kind of figuring out as you evolve without Yoli Childs for nine games and then bring him back and perhaps we'll be okay, even though it's kind of Yoli Childs and uh, you could say Dalton Nixon, Colby Lee down low. Yeah, uh, definitely rebounding is what we're stressing right now. Um, I mean, we work hard on it every day. Um, defensively, we're getting better every single day. Coach Pope is a great defensive coach, and he, he knows what he's talking about in every aspect of the game. Um, but we're definitely stressing uh, just being up in people uh, defensively, getting on, crashing the offensive and defensive glass, and then pushing it in transition. One, one thing that I love about this team is we're great in, in transition, and hopefully we're going to be a very quick team. BYU guard Alex Barcelo with us on BYU Sports Nation. You look at the guard line right now of TJ Haas and uh, Zach Selyus eventually, who will be joining the team after he comes off of a broken foot. And then you had Jake Toulson, Jesse Wade, and now yourself. How does that guard rotation work, or how will it work with, uh, with you five primary guards out there? Um, I mean, everyone brings something different to the table, and uh, I think we all complement each other well. So whoever's in the game, I mean, I know that they're going to be playing playing their hardest, and, uh, I mean, just going out there, and, and everyone has the same mindset. The mindset's to win, so. I mean, do you prefer the point? Do you prefer a wing? Like, what, what do you like to do? Um, I mean, I like to play point, but, I mean, I, at the end of the day, like, I, I, I just think of it as I'm a basketball player, so whatever I had to do to help the team win, I'm, I'm going to go out there and do. What comes to mind emotionally? Uh, what do you feel when you think about an exhibition Friday? Yeah. And then eight days from now, the season opener. That you get a play in now. <laughs> it's, it's honestly, like, I don't know if it's hit me yet that I, that I still get to play this year, but um, it, it's just such a, an exciting thing to think about. And uh, I'm ready. Like, I'm going to take the exhibition game as, as a real game day, and it, and it counts uh, whether it does or it doesn't. But I'm, I'm going to leave it out on the floor and, and give it everything I got. Alex, we're stoked for you, man. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for that exhibition <laughs> game day and then uh, beyond, man. We're, we're thrilled for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Alex. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It's always a good idea for each of us to remember 
where we hail from. But for BYU defensive lineman Uriah Leatow, remembering where he came from helps him see how far he's come in life. He's the subject of this edition of Deep Blue, presented by Tim Daly Nissan. Coming out, Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. We're Deep Blue, straight out of Compton. My brother's name is Uriah Dillian, but we call him Lopa. The name after my dad. So we can remember my dad all the time during the game. <laughs> Everywhere he goes, Lopa is the one. We never call him Uriah Dillian. I'm from uh, Compton, California. I was born and raised there. Both my parents immigrated from Samoa. This is where uh, the cousin got shot at, right? I'm walking from school. Steve, right there. That's where he got shot at. It was harsh, and it was. And it was something that I never really noticed until I got a little bit older. I went home for Christmas. (laughs) I heard sirens, and I was like, whoa, sirens. And I was shocked again. And I was like, wait a second, that's normal. I think it all grew from the love of our parents. It all depends on you. How you taking care of the stuff and live here in the city of Compton. And that's why I told my kids, whenever, whenever you guys are ready to go, you can go, but I'm going to die here in Compton. And also I told my son, and also my kids, wherever they go, he has to stand up tall and say, we are from Compton. Because we're proud of this city of Compton. I mean, despite everything going on around us outside of what, you know, things that like gunshots or robberies, whatever, we always felt like we were safe here in our home. Now we're going to the high school. We're going in. Okay, so this is Dominguez. The football program at Dominguez, I felt like it was a tight brotherhood. And I felt like despite everything that the boys were going through outside of school, the football program allowed them to feel like they were at home, a second home for them. I didn't play Pop Warner growing up. I didn't actually play um, like all the way up until I got to high school. Actually, my parents were like kind of against me playing football. They're very protective and... Yeah, they were more interested in school, and I see that more than uh, the way they brought me up. Lopo is always serious about school. That's one thing everybody knows. Uh, Lopo is always uh, always getting mad over a B or A minus. He's always wanted A plus, A plus. We even gave him a nickname, called him the dictionary, because uh, there was always uh, words we never understood. Any words we didn't uh, get or understood, we always asked Lopo. With all the sacrifices that my parents made, it kind of it was like a no-brainer to just go to school. And then compared to our peers here in Compton, they were kind of had like part-time jobs or um, odd jobs. And then our parents didn't really want us to work, but just to focus on school. Everything was focused around education because I feel like they didn't have, you know, that growing up back in the islands. So when they came here, they, they knew that it was the only way or one of the possible ways to, you know, possibly get out of Compton, I would say. I know it was hard, but I know it's all paid off. When you see them uh, graduate, 
then you know it's not just them that graduate. We graduate. Because I know, um, I always tell my children, if you fail, that means I fail. If you success, we success. But I say this to my son all the time. I'm so proud of you. And I love you so much. He's standing up tall to represent us, to make our family so proud of you, son. And I love you so much. 25, straight back drop for Guadani. Pocket collapses. He's going down. Uriah Leatawa having himself a game. Drops Guadani back at the 32-33 yard line. Lost Honestly, my dad is like the epitome of hard work for me. He honestly does so much for us. I remember um, he'll wake up early mornings to run papers, and then he'll work in the meat factory in the day, and um, and he'll pick up pallets at night. And that was early on in their marriage. <clears throat> and then eventually he was blessed enough to get a really great job that he's had since then. And my mom, man, she's my hero too, because when my dad was gone, my mom took care of us. We would have to stay after school for these after-school programs. She would just wait for us. I mean, the way that he was raised, you could, you could tell that he comes from a great home. Parents are really, uh, you know, guided him the, the right way. And what the things that he values really tell a lot about just his family and, and, and the place that he comes from. They put me through the entire public school um, system. I'm a Compton Unified School District kid from elementary to high school. I'm so happy and proud of where I'm from. It does not define me, but it does make me stronger. What an amazing family. Awesome. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It's time for BYU Sports Nation All Access at BYU Football Practice with the Scrum General. His name is Austin Kofensis, plays a bunch of different positions for the Cougars. He went one-on-one with Jerem Jordan. Here's that interview. All right, Austin, uh, after the Boise State win, have you come down from the high of that uh, big win over a top 15 team? Yeah, I felt like we celebrated. You know, we had this bye week to kind of prepare and everything. Obviously, we came down because we got a next op- or opponent that we got to focus on. So it was good for the weekend, but, you know, back to the grindstone and sharpening and our craft and getting everything ready for our opponent, Utah State, this weekend. We'll talk about Utah State more in a moment, but uh, with Boise State, obviously, the play that won the game was the uh, QB sneak where you go. F- up in the air it felt like you were six feet up in the air can you describe what you saw and felt on that play yeah so earlier in the game I think it was on this uh the sixth uh we we did the same play just to kind of see what the the front we were going to get and what was going to happen on the d-line and you know we kind of felt that at towards the end of the game when we needed it again uh that we had favorable you know it was favorable in our our way and we felt like 
we could get it right there and it was you know it was a couple inches there wasn't much we had to get and I knew that my line up front they they're going to get the push you know when we need it even if the guys are shooting at their knees they're going to get down and give me a little bit of room to work with and it kind of got stuffed at the beginning but then I have you know Kyra's behind me and Diane coming up as well and they're just pushing me from both sides and at some point I was up in the air and I, my feet left the ground and I was just kind of like, whoa, what's happening right now? But you don't have much time to think. You just kind of, you know what you got to do. We, we practice it every day. You just got to get that yard. You got to get um, over the line. And, you know, as soon as I got up in the air, I just started reaching with my arms because my legs weren't on the ground. So I didn't have much uh, stability. So I was just kind of crawling over people. And it was it was crazy because when you see some of the pictures and stuff, it's just 22 people all in one pile. And it's just like you got one guy that's like crawling over everything but everything underneath like I couldn't even imagine being the people on the the bottom of the pile but they're the ones that started it and got it going and that's I mean my credit goes out to everyone else on the team I just happened to have the ball and you know get over in in the amount that we needed so I mean I I give credit to everyone that was on that as as well as the coaches was great you know Let's just our meant mono e mono basically is what it was, and when it came down to it, we came out on top, and it was great feeling. It was awesome to get the win, um, but you know we still got a lot of work to do, and we still got to continue to get better. And even in that package, you know we can instead of just holding it to six inches, let's get a couple more yards just so we can seal the deal uh, even quicker. I was going to say why go for it at the six when it was a sneak yeah. and it was for two yards. It looked like a weird play, but you just want to see how they defend it. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a couple. We, we wanted to see how they were going to defend it. We might have gone and done another play after that. I don't really know uh, what the play calling was going to be after that, but I just knew that, you know, when we were huddled at the end on that, you know, when they were reviewing it, I was looking at coach because we were all huddled up, and I was like, you know, they, they shot at our lineman's knees, and I think I can get over. The first one I got two yards, and I, you know, I didn't even – it opened up pretty quick, so I know this was towards the end of the game, and there was a lot more uh, emotion in on the defensive side as well for those guys to stop us. But um, I think that was definitely like played a factor as we wanted to see what they were going to give us, you know, what we could do off of it. And you know, when push comes to shove, coach believed in me and the scrum team, and we came out and we performed. When you leave your feet at that point. How are you uh, trying to push forward because you can't get any leverage from the bottom? So are you just completely dependent on those pushing you forward at that point? Um, to be honest, that's something we've never even practiced. Like that, I've you practiced going six feet in the air? Yeah, I don't think that's ever like even happened. And, and you know, it gets pretty hairy during practice because we have more than 11 guys out there. We try and get as many as we can just because it gives us a better look, a harder look. So we sometimes are going up against 20 guys, but we're not like tackling each other. So I've never really gone up against you know well my feet are in the air what do I need to do after that at that point it was just like all right just play with heart and try and get that first because I know the whole team and everyone in the stands is is depending on me to get that so I mean having those guys behind me I know Kyrus there's pictures of him holding on to my legs and everything and I'm basically on his shoulders and he's like pushing me forward and it's it's ridiculous you know you can if you watch the video you can see as soon as those two guys push behind me we we get a big uh push after that and it's nothing you prepare for but you know it's everything you want because when you get those opportunities that's your time to kind of go out there and shine and you know yeah I got it but the whole team uh really got it you know you know it wasn't just me and there's I give credit to everyone that was on that team 
What did that win mean to this group, having come off of two disappointing losses to Toledo and South Florida? And in comes a top 15 team. You're playing the backup quarterback, the fourth string running back, or sorry, the third string quarterback. Yet this team figured it out, and it felt like the most well-coached, well-prepared game of the season. Yeah, I think we just had a different mindset. We know our team has a lot of talent, and you know our guys are really smart. And we need to be in the. We we know what places we need to be in, and we watch a lot of film, you know, and study the offenses that we go up against, and as well as the, our offense, they study the defense. You know, everyone prepares really well here. I think uh, the big thing was we just came out, we played our game, we didn't, you know. We didn't try and do too much, do too little. We, we worked throughout the week, got better each game, or each day, I should say, in each practice. And we just kind of focused on our football and what we know how to do. And I think the, the games prior where we came off of a loss, you know, we were focusing on, you know, some of the wrong things. And I think this game, it all came together. We still have a lot of work to do, you know, like Boise is a good team. But, you know, that's midway through the season. We still got, you know, six more games. To, to focus on and you know that's just kind of the beginning I hope it you know jump starts us and continues to push us forward and get better each week but that's all you can really hope for is just put your head down go to work each and every day because you, you haven't arrived you know you never arrived so you just got to keep working and uh, doing your part and doing what you can to help the team out. What do you think about Utah State a team that uh, looked really good had their worst performance of the year which is sort of annoying in terms of wait are they that team or are they a better team right you're going to assume the best but a 4 and 3 team up in Logan this Saturday uh, it's going to be a you know it's a rival game it's going to be a great game there's going to be a lot of emotion in this game as well you know we consider Boise a, a rival game but Utah State is also an, a rival game it's a huge one you know they came up here last year and they beat us, so we're going to try and go down there and, you know, have a good outcome like we did last week. But, you know, it starts today. It actually started last week because we had a bye week. But, you know, we got to carry into this week with the same mentality we had last week and just keep getting better and preparing and working hard and getting our minds right and our bodies right. And, you know, we'll see what happens on Saturday. But I'm pretty uh, confident in our team and how we're preparing and how we're working. What's the connection or, and relationship like with Gary Anderson? Because if I'm not mistaken, you went to Wisconsin to go with Gary Anderson, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good relationship. I haven't really talked to him much since, but I never really he, – he left right before I even got up there. So he wasn't he, – he recruited me up there, but I never really got to experience him coaching uh, me. But, you know, the relationship's good. I'll probably go see him after the game, say what up, but – other than that, it's just business, you know. That's that's how it is. That's that's what happens in college football. I'm here now. I'm with. I'm happy where I'm at, and I'm pleased to be here. And for those that don't know, you had I think 15,000 yards in total, or 20,000 yards in high school, 120 touchdowns. How how did that experience prepare you to be so versatile in all the different roles you've had here at BYU? Um, I think it's definitely prepared me confidence-wise. You know, going in there, I don't really when I was out there. Everyone says, oh, there's, there might be a lot of pressure and everything, but I just, when I'm in, in between the gridiron, I'm not really thinking about any of that. It's just like football, and I'm completely focused. So I think that definitely helped me because, you know, in high school I did play a lot, and I was able to, you know, get that confidence and that, that focus from that. So it carried over in that aspect, and it's been awesome to be able to play here and do what I can to help the team out. Well, it prepared you for the quarterback snake, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep, exactly. the fourth and one. Exactly. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the win. Good luck against Utah State. A little BYU Sports Nation karma. And uh, have fun Saturday in Logan. Thank you. I appreciate it. Austin Confences, BYU Sports Nation All Access, one-on-one after BYU football practice. 
What a stud, man. He just he does what's asked of him. Yeah, absolutely. The guy was an unbelievable high school player and now is pretty much doing anything anything, anything yes. he's asked, he's been able to do a good job at. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. What a season in the NFL for several former BYU football Cougars, including Taysom Hill, who Mm -hmm. has three touchdown catches this season. Caught another one from Drew Brees in his return yesterday for the Saints. Jamal Williams scored twice yesterday. He keeps going touch. It's like three weeks in a row. Kyle Van Noy and Fred Warner play on defenses of the two remaining undefeated teams in the National Football League. Starting middle linebackers, no doubt. Incredible. Jerem, which BYU Cougar is having the best season thus far in the NFL? I could see arguments for a lot of different players, the four you mentioned. I am going to go with Taysom Hill because everybody that follows the NFL knows who Taysom Hill is. Like He is this crazy anomaly as a quarterback that plays all these positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, special teams. Like It is insane. And the fact that he's catching touchdowns is crazy. And even crazier is this stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Your boy Taysom Hill has more receiving touchdowns than the following. Larry Fitzgerald, Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jason Witten, Danny Amendola, Christian McCaffrey, and your boy Odell Beckham Jr., (laughs) just to name a few. Are you kidding me? Argue against that. More touchdowns than OBJ receiving for Taysom Hill. It's so fun to watch Taysom and Jamal Williams and Ziggy Ansah and Daniel Sorensen, not to mention the ones you mentioned. This is awesome. BYU produces talent. They produce talent. Also, Taysom Hill is an undrafted guy in the league. He's going to be a restricted free agent next year. I'm excited to see what happens if the Saints can match what someone wants for him. Yeah, it's fun to watch multiple BYU guys play last night on Sunday primetime. Daniel Sorensen starting for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll have a little nugget about that in just a moment. You, you talked to him Hung uh, out two with weeks him, ago. Yeah, right? when they, uh, the Chiefs were playing on Thursday night football against the Broncos in a win. So it, another undrafted guy yes. that is starting in the NFL. Impressive. Incredible. Yeah, really impressive. Taysom Hill has made the most of his opportunity and then some. He has become the poster child, in a way, of the New Orleans Saints. He has the third most popular jersey at the Saints fan shop behind Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. Then it's Taysom Hill. More than Alvin Kamara? Yes. Wow. That's crazy. That's nuts. Okay? His jersey sales are moving up the charts. So he, is, he has maximized this opportunity. In terms of, like, best season thus far, I have to go with Kyle Van Noy. Because he's playing for the number one ranked defense in the NFL, and he is a starting middle linebacker, and he has he gets to the quarterback on the regular. Kyle Van Noy only has 21 tackles, but he's got four and a half sacks, Jerem. Four and a half sacks of his 21 total have tackles. A touchdown? Yes. He's and forced, he almost had a second, but they forced really was down. two fumbles. And he scored a defensive touchdown oh. for the best defense in the NFL. Fred Warner's having an amazing season as well. But yes. Kyle Van Noy, for me, is the best season thus far in the NFL. Yeah, Fred had a better season last year in terms of how many tackles he was having. But he's a part of a defense that's lighting up. Ziggy Ansah, one of those pass rushers, has a sack, a couple fumble recoveries. Had the great strip and recovery against the Browns. Uh, you mentioned Fred Warner, Kyle Van Noy. This is fun. And look. All the, let's see, were all those guys on the same team, or was there a year apart? Because Ziggy Ansah's last year was 2013, and Fred Warner no, was Ziggy a Ziggy Ansah's last year was 2012. 
2012. So then Fred Warner comes in 2014 as a freshman, was it? 15, 16, 17? Yeah. So they didn't all overlap, but almost. The 2012 team had Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams uh, as freshman. You had Kyle Van Noy as a sophomore, right? Junior. Junior. Ziggy Ansah was a senior. I mean, Daniel Sorensen was on that team. Uh, there's a reason that defense was yes. incredible in 2012. Spencer Hadley, Wani Unga, Alani Fua were also guys that played in the NFL. Don't now, but played in the NFL. That 2012 and 2013 Special. defense, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and those were eight and what eight win teams um, both years was 2013 yeah. eight as well. Yes, that were like 2013. They played seven Power Five teams, like insane. If BYU plays a regular-ish group of five or a pseudo light independent schedule, BYU is a 10 or 11 win team, and, they, and and that's and that's what I wish we had with these guys was wins versus Utah, was finished ranked, was da da da. But as individuals, they've been able to thrive at the next level, which is awesome, and shows you that this can work. This can work. This situation, independence. Playing these schedules, I still think a little too tough, but BYU can validate. It's validating for the program to show the graphic we just showed of these guys doing work in the NFL. They're not scrubs. They're not deep backups buried just on the depth chart, whatever. They're playing and making an impact. Sacks, tackles for loss, uh, touchdowns, awesome. Yeah, and did you mention Michael Davis as well? Michael Davis might be the best story out of all of them. Because he, he was he, he was he, benched yeah. for Dian Gunwaluku his senior year, who and, we think is going to be an NFL player too, right? And here Michael Davis is an undrafted free agent. Start half the league's undrafted, so it, it's not everything to be drafted, but it's really cool to watch and to start for the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego, who the last couple of years have been a really good team. Kyle Van Noy, just looking at his stats once again, he's hit the quarterback eight times, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and the touchdown that this you mentioned. This is what he does. He is a disruptor. And how awesome is it that he is not in Detroit? Because he was so buried. We had Steve Young in studio. We taped an interview with him a couple years ago when the trade happened. We were the ones to inform Steve, hey, Kyle Van Noy got traded to the Patriots. And he said, he just he, won the Super he's Bowl. Won the Super Bowl. <laughs> he's just won multiple Super Bowls, and he's probably going to win another Super Bowl this year. Well... <laughs> Don't don't even don't even try and tell me the Seahawks are going to compete with the Patriots. Stop well, it. They already blew that one. Stop it. Too soon. Our question of the day on BYU football. If you were Kalani Satake, would you name a starting quarterback, Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, prior to Saturday's game with Utah State and why? At Jason D. Jolly answers on Twitter. Name one, then start the other. <laughs> By way of deception, thou shalt do war. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at the Oral Care Club answers on Instagram. Why a play business? a quarterback at all? Air Force what? threw for 16 yards <laughs> and beat Utah Just State. Run. Just wing T. Let's go. Seven. Just run the option. We're 31 to 7. Jaron Hall. Start Jaron Hall. He runs. Let's go. Okay. Today's rise and shout outs now. I'm going back to the Kansas City Chiefs and their little montage of defensive starters in last night's Sunday night <laughs> primetime game. It was the East-West Shrine game yes, from was. Key and Peel. Yes, it was. And Daniel Sorensen comes up second to last. I wanted him to be last, but he was second to last. And says, Only white guy. Daniel Sorensen, BYU. And I was like, everybody <laughs> that knows that sketch is cracking up right now. <laughs> It was hilarious. Well played, Kansas City Chiefs. Mine goes to Riker Matthews, repping in the Canadian Football League. The Hamilton Tiger Cats set a franchise record for most wins in a season, 14-3. and three. They're the best team in the CFL right now, and your boy Riker is a starter on the O-line. 
That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.